Hi, I'm Mindy. And I'm Tara. And we are Two Two Citizen Citizen Moms. Moms. So today we are going to be discussing and breaking down the history of masking in North Carolina. Followed by two years of Republican failures. And some current events. Stay tuned. So we are going to discuss the history of masking here in North Carolina and kind of run through what that is. We did a wonderful interview with our friend Sloan Rockmove with Education First Alliance. And we had a lot of people thanking us for going through this synopsis. And we'd like to kind of go back over it with everybody. I think everybody, you know, is confused. How did we get where we are today? Right. And who exactly is responsible? And I think, you know, as we're going to get into Senate Bill 173 that was passed but has not been signed yet just here in the last few days. The smiles bill. Mm -hmm. And um, all of the, as Sloan called it, Republican backslapping that is going on um, as they claim to be champions for victory. But, you know, we're going to go ahead and present facts and, and, and let you decide for yourself exactly how we got where we are. And the people that are kind of waving that medical freedom flag for what? Political grandstanding. Yeah. Because they haven't done anything yeah. for two years. After, yeah. And um, so we're just going to go ahead and get started. We were asked to write up a synopsis of what we shared on that show. So we're going to make it short and sweet and lots of facts. Um, It'll be linked in the show notes. Yeah. The bill will be linked in the show notes. Yeah. And anything that's referenced in it, you can Google those those other ones. Yeah, so we're going to try to not talk too fast. Yep. Because for some reason, people criticize um, the uh, rapidity of our speech. I don't understand why. I don't understand. It's mostly you, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, all right, we're just going to rewind and start from the beginning. Prior to 2020... North Carolina had a decades-old anti-mask law. It made wearing a mask in public illegal for obvious reasons, um, most of which surrounded public safety. It was General Statute 14-12.11. Hey, Mindy, can you think, I don't know, why might it have been a bad idea to allow North Carolina citizens to go out in public with masks on prior to 2020? Maybe you can't identify a predator. Oh, or somebody holding you up in a convenience store or a bank, mm-hmm. or maybe when a police officer pulls you over. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You wouldn't. You you, you probably wouldn't. I mean, those want are to... just my top three. Yeah, you, it, it was probably a bad idea to allow people to hide their identity, right? Yeah. So North Carolina, for it, this was really since the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Had an anti-mask law in place, but on May second, twenty twenty, the Republican majority. And the General Assembly passed Session Law 2020-3. You can look this up at Senate Bill 704. This created an exemption to the state's anti-mask law. Again, that was General Statute 14-12.11. So if we were just to back up, May 2nd, 2020, what is happening? This exemption was set to expire, right? This yep. is the one that, that uh, on August 1st, 2020, at which point in time the anti-mask law would have gone back into place without exemptions. Yeah, so what's happening at this point as we're being told there's a pandemic, right. we've got, you know, an anti-mask law that's not allowing people to wear masks in public, you know, the Republicans are being pressured to kind of back this up. You know, this is really setting the stage for, you know, what would become the next two years of our lives. But we're we- only supposed to flatten the curve. 15 days, right? right. So... Um, so 
you know, what the, the Republicans come to the table and do is they say, okay, we're going to go ahead and write an exemption into this anti-mask law so that under this exemption, it's no longer illegal to wear a mask in public. So this is problematic, right? Because now all of the concerns about public safety, they are, they, we, they, it's just, it's not there anymore, right? We it's just pretend it's out the window, mm-hmm. right? So on June 23rd, 2020, Cooper wrote an executive order, emergency order 147, forcing North Carolina citizens over the age of two to wear a mask in public and at all places of public accommodation. This EO went into effect at 5 p.m. on Friday, June 26, 2020. The emergency order 147 was the first mask mandate that had teeth to it. And on pages six and seven under the FNQ, the enforcement, it became very clear that North Carolina would become a state in which both civil and criminal penalties could be enforced for those who did not follow Cooper's orders. So to back up again, here we are, right? We go from, we begin 2020 with an anti-mask law. On May 2nd, the Republican majority legislature writes an exemption to the anti-mask law, allowing people to wear a mask in public. And then a month later in June, Cooper writes executive order 147 in which not wearing a mask becomes a punishable criminal offense, right? So what we've done is we've taken a law that's been in place for 50 years, we've turned it upside down, and now it's a criminal act not to wear a mask in public. So this should have shocked our Republicans, right? Right. Okay. So not only is it shocking that now North Carolinians can actually be criminally and civilly punished for not wearing a mask. He violated the constitutional rights. Absolutely. Of North Carolina citizens to make medical decisions for themselves. He interfered with businesses. By making businesses the enforcement arm of the mask mandate. Right right? to their front door. So. And it wouldn't have been possible, right? If it wasn't for the Republicans working collaboratively with him to temporarily suspend the state's anti-mass law via the May 2nd exemption using SB 704 as the vehicle. So those of us following the collaboration between the Republican majority and CGA and our tyrannical governor actually took one piece of comfort and that was knowing that the anti-mask law was gonna go back into place on August 1st, 2020 because that exemption to the anti-mask law would expire on that date. And those of us who knew that a mask would not prevent the spread of respiratory viruses, we fought that. They fought it and they knew that that was happening, but they took comfort in knowing that August 1st would restore our rights to body autonomy. Yeah, so I mean, it was, it was, I remember that was a tough summer. I think that was the first summer um, that my family actually really started considering leaving North Carolina because, you know. Well, at first you could say, it's illegal to force me to wear a mask. And that's what we were doing. And that's we were we leaning were on the anti-mask law. Mm-hmm. And, and so, then all of a sudden it was. Yeah, it was, the the, it was the opposite. So, you know, people are being criminalized literally for not wearing a face diaper. Yeah. So, you know, we expected the Republican legislature to add an amendment prior to that August 1st uh, date in which the anti-mask law was going to go back into play to allow for an exemption for anybody who wanted to wear a mask by personal choice for the purpose of preventing the spread of COVID-19. 
But never in a million years did we expect what the Republican majority and the NCGA would do on July 8th, 2020. To our absolute shock, on July 8th, 2020, the NCGA passed 232, which permanently suspended the state's anti-mask law, giving Cooper blanket authority to permanently mask us by means of executive order. And then they, NCGA passed SB 173, committee substitute, adding section 115. And that was just last week. This was just last week. Yeah, which gives parents the ability to opt out of school mask mandates annually from here on out. The new norm, right? It is now obvious to all who are watching that mask mandates for children in North Carolina are the new normal from which exemptions must be asserted. So when we line this up, This is now in North Carolina. First of all, it's no longer an executive order that's going to expire once the state of emergency is is over. No, it's not going to expire. It's codified into law. And we want you to think about it like this. They have now made masking the default position for your child, just like vaccines. So what do we do in North Carolina, Mindy, if we We don't want our children to um, be vaccinated? We use an exemption. Right. So we have to file an exemption with our school once... One time. One time throughout the history of our child's school career, right? It stays in their file. You don't have to continuously resubmit. But the default position is that you will vaccinate your children and you have to exempt your way out if you don't want to vaccinate your children. They have done this exact same thing now with masking. So what's clear here? What is clear is that the Republicans who... Um, you know, are supposed to be the party of championing personal liberty, have worked just as hard as Roy Cooper to forever change North Carolina from a constitutional republic to a state in which the communist Communist public public health health policy policy is normative. That's right. So uh, Republicans are now grandstanding, pretending they gave parents back something they never had the right to take away. And in the process, they've literally codified school mask mandates in perpetuity and you have people who are actually petitioning them the government government, Mm -hmm. to let them take the mask off their children here's a question do you think the government ever had the right to force you to mask your children absolutely not who is it that has the rights to make medical decisions for children parents so i mean i don't know what, what do we do we've been saying this for two years we've been trying to convince people that you will answer to god for the decisions that are made for your children right we cannot say my my child's school is making them wear a mask no one can mask your child but you that's right so again uh, what this SB 173 last is week is it's masks are never going away. They're never going away. This is now codified into law. Any school system that decides that they are going to implement a quote unquote optional mask mandate this fall when cold and flu roll back around is going to require that parents opt out of masking their children by asserting an exemption same as vaccines. Kind of reminds me of that that assistant superintendent video that we posted and kind of went viral that he was saying we need to start conditioning our two-year-olds mm-hmm. and our three-year-olds yep, for Wake all County. the years uh-huh. coming ahead. Yep. So that by the time they're in school, yeah. they're, they're uh, conditioned, that, that, that desensitized. Made, he actually used the word desensitized. Yeah, that made Laura Ingram's uh, on Fox and, mm-hmm. and, and it went viral mm-hmm. because Masks are not going away, people. Yeah, so Unless again, you stop participating, right, they go away. Right. So we, again, we never propose problems without, without solutions. answering solutions. Yeah. So what can be done? We can demand the Republican majority of the NCGA reinstate the decades-old anti-mask law 
which is reversing S-232. So this would not only repeal Senate Bill 173, the Free the Smiles, which implements permanent masking of children anytime a school wants to re-implement a mask mandate forever and ever, amen, and makes masks normative and permanent for school-aged children. Yeah, with the option to opt opt out. If we actually reinstated the state's anti-mask law, it would not only permanently get masks off children without requiring annual exemptions. It would would get them off all North Carolina citizens. Employees, college college students, students, everybody. Do not let Republicans convince you that what they did last week was a victory for freedom. Nothing could be further from the truth replace any incumbent who will not commit to reinstating the North Carolina General Statute 14-12.11. Otherwise known as the anti-mask law. The anti-mask law. So here's a call to action. Call your North Carolina state senator and state representative today and ask them for a commitment to vote and reinstate the state's anti-mask law. Um, and, and get in touch with us. us. Yeah, get Send in touch your with emails their with their replies. Yep. Because we can hold them to it. And when you're out going to their speeches, their pre... Their stump speeches stump for their speeches, campaigns. Yeah, where they, yeah. They, they get the questions in advance. Yeah. Start asking them. These, these are the hard questions. Yeah. But, you know, just to circle around this whole mask issue, there's a great episode on a podcast that we put up called Stand Up for the Truth. And it goes back to the 1918 you know, history talking about, you know, the Rockefellers and the and, and Carnegie and how they influenced our schools and the medical industry as well, from like the holistic medicine to, you know, the drugs and the and the big pharma. Um, we need to start looking into what these schools are teaching our children. You may think you're getting a mask opt out right now, but um you really need to know what's going on with CRT, the sexual perversion that's going on in these schools. Um, Charlotte Iserby, she discovered that there had been a plan which was executed by the Department of Education, which was created by Carter. Mm-hmm. And then Reagan used his campaign speech saying he was going to abolish it. And then he not he not only refunded it for eight years. <laughs> he completely he bolstered the funding. Bolstered yeah. it. Yep. So um she has a book called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America's Public Schools. You need to get your hands on it. it it's free online, actually, but yeah, it's, it's 700, 700 some odd pages. I actually looked it up, and it was a couple hundred dollars when I was looking it up online. I oh, think yeah. they're trying to erase it. I For think sure. they're trying to get rid of but it. You, but incredible. the PDF version of it is available online. Yeah, yeah, and we have um, links to that as well. But her research goes back to the 1800s all the way up through 1990. She was a patriot whistleblower Mm -hmm. and she went to a newspaper and she exposed it she was reagan's um she worked assistant inside his cabinet yes she did she was his um advisor in the office of education research and improvement which turned in the department of education and when she came across project best Mm -hmm. she went to a journalist and they fired her for exposing what this was which doesn't that kind of like shake you because i don't know reagan to me was always you know it was it was always like literally you know lincoln reagan well they say that the establishment either got their claws into them Mm -hmm. they couldn't get out of what they thought that they could get in there and change yeah but you need people who won't who won't compromise and you also need to have discernment with these incumbents that are standing on a platform that are saying the things that they just like they you know they made a good point this gentleman that's on there by not by works ministry jb 
Hickson. Mm -hmm. He says, you have to also remember a lot of the forefathers platforms, because there were a lot of godly men, they were using that platform for their advantage to get in office. Just like we have seen in the conservative platform, they are saying they are Christians, but they are compromising on abortion. They are compromising on, um, the log cabin issue, right? With right. the Republicans and homosexuality. The well, they're not only compromising, they're condescending to anyone who won't. Absolutely. CRT, transgender, the common core, no child left behind. All of that is coming from federally funded government Monday money. And that's the Department of Education. But here's what's fascinating. The North Carolina General Assembly has an obligation to literally be the watchman on the wall to restrain this stuff. And they actually could restrain this inside their education budgets. Do you know that, here's a radical thought, I don't know, they could refuse to pass any education budget for any public school in North Carolina that, I don't know, teaches CRT or doesn't allow children to be, um, I don't know. And it's not in every school, but it is coming from the top down, which is what they I were talking about. I refuse to believe that it's not in well, every school. I, I just mean, don't believe that anymore. I was talking to a rural Harnett County yeah. parent last I mean, week now, I'd say and they now, were saying yeah. it is absolute filth what their what their children are being taught i'd say in some of the rural tennessee where my uh, cousins are some of that and backwoods of alabama they don't kind of do some of this stuff i think they do it covertly i think i think it's woven in and in fact tentacles are so deep mm -hmm. that's why they're calling that we really need a parallel school system Mm -hmm. that's the solution well we really need parents to to take back their own children and the god-given mandate to educate your own children i I loved the david fiorazzo the stand up for the truth podcast that we're talking about and we'll link to it in the show notes because that he opened that podcast by asking the question, can the government schools, and we don't call them public schools anymore because that's ridiculous, they're government schools. Mm -hmm. Can government schools be reformed? And out of the gate, the answer was no, No. they can't. He gave a great um, analogy saying, um, the dangers of carbon monoxide. Do you remember when he mentioned that? He says, you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't touch it, but it's there if you look for it and you have the tools to do so. Or it will kill you. Look in the right places, you will find this evil. And most parents aren't looking for it, but the ones that have, you can make a difference in your children's school education. But it is having a disastrous effect. Uh, it's confusing children. They don't know who they are, they don't know how they were created, they don't know their purpose in life. How can, they know, how can they know That's any of those things when they're taught from the time Darwinism. that they are five years yep. old that God is dead, dead. Yep. God does not exist? How can, you, how can a child know that he's an image bearer yep. of God, created in the image of God, when all he learns day in and day out is... He comes from animals. He, yeah. yeah. Well, historically right now, we have never seen, we are off the charts on teen suicide mm-hmm. and attempts especially even in elementary now hopelessness as sloan said they they have four and eight year olds that they're counseling Mm -hmm. because of all of this bullying all of this hopelessness god is dead so i leave it there it is a fantastic uh resource Mm -hmm. and network with the people that we know in north carolina who are creating pods homeschools 
and and this is going on across North Carolina right now. They are yeah. that's literally what we have to do. That is a solution. And um, in addition to the ICRB book, the deliberate dumbing down of oh. American schools, I would highly recommend that every parent or grandparent who is listening to this podcast get their hands on the documentary called Indoctrination by Colin Gunn. It will absolutely change your life. It's like fifteen bucks online, mm-hmm. and that's all that needs to be said. Get your hands on the copy. So that's going to wrap up this segment, and we will see you in a minute for our next one. All right, so let's get into the two full years of the North Carolina Republican failures once again. So are you as astounded as I am right now to watch the very same Republicans that we have been begging and lobbying for two years to do something to champion freedom in the state and to pass some kinds of protective laws and public and private sector against the masks and the vaccines and the absolute erosion of human freedom are now all of the sudden during an election cycle beginning to champion medical freedom. It's not only astounding, I'm disgusted by it. Um, you know, we, we are now living in an, a day and age when we have legislators and even some quote unquote grassroots groups who have publicly supported masks and private sector vaccine mandates literally for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, holding medical freedom protests as they realize that the political winds are changing. Yeah. Um, It would be funny if it wasn't so frightening. So let's talk about the things that we should not forget. How about we not forget that our Republican majority, North Carolina General Assembly, has voted for progressive communism lining up with Cooper every step of the scandemic for the last two years. And as we discussed, you know, it was a Republican majority legislature that gave us masks, making businesses the enforcement arm of the tyrannical order. You can go back and uh, read Senate Bill 232 on that one. Yeah, it is a Republican majority legislator that gave us testing, tracking, tracing, and bringing liability to the front door of businesses. That's H. 1043. Yeah, and that one is in perpetuity too, just like the new anti-mask law, right? So we are forever and ever, unless we can get a new group of actual patriots and not rhinos to repeal the 1043 bill, we have testing, tracking, and tracing with us now permanently forever in the state of North Carolina. And these are the things that our incumbents and new candidates need to be talking about. And these are your questions you need to start asking them. Oh, well, I don't think that's going to happen in most of your uh, GOP debates where softball questions are being asked. Hey, this is my favorite when you go to a GOP debate and they say things like this. So, you know, how do you feel about the Constitution or where are you on supporting businesses? Are you kidding me? Okay. Anyway, it was the Republican Majority Council of State that gave us the vaccine lottery. We can go back and talk about how Dobson, Troxler, and Truett were our three Republicans on the Council of State that worked in collusion with Cooper. We met met with him in person a couple of different times trying to stop the whole OSHA crap. Yep. It is a Republican majority North Carolina House and a Republican majority North Carolina Senate. Don't forget that, people. Majority in both houses who have done nothing absolutely nothing to expose the vaccine genocide. Nobody's talking about the therapeutics. Nobody's talking about the genocide. It's a North Carolina Republican majority House and Senate who refused to give an answer as to why they are participating in and endorsing an abortion-derived and developed vaccine while claiming to be the party of pro-life. That one still blows my mind. I, I can't, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes. Pfizer and Moderna were developed using fetal uh, cell line HEK293, and J&J was developed using PERC6. 
And as we have engaged with quote unquote pro-life incumbents and asked them, why, why? do you keep endorsing this? Yeah. Why do you keep saying go out and get your shots? And, and yet you claim to be pro-life. pro-life. Right. They literally just shut the conversation down and will not give an accounting. And so, um, you know, wildly problematic to claim to be pro-life while also endorsing these vaccines. Well, and also all of the side effects, all of the, we had interviews with, with the teenagers and the myocarditis and the people be, being killed basically it's a pro-life days. issue you know daniel horowitz it, yes, said that talk, yeah, it's he, a genocide pro-life yeah, issue on us yeah, adults yeah and, and and daniel said you know we absolutely should be fighting for the unborn but my goodness who's fighting for the born yes. who are being killed by these experimental vaccines good luck if you go to a hospital you'll leave in a body bag it's a North Carolina state Republican GOP leader, Michael Watley, who told all Republicans to go get their abortion-derived experimental mRNA gene therapy injections. On a commercial. Yep. No doubt. Yeah. Look it up. It is the Republican Senate Majority Leader Phil Berger and Republican Speaker of the House Tim Moore, who did a commercial with the Democrat minority leaders, encouraging all North Carolinians to go take the injections don't forget that. It's a Republican majority NC House and Senate who've done absolutely nothing to get the truth out about ivermectin therapeutics in order to save lives and end the fear and control. And it is a North Carolina Republican majority House and Senate who have refused to have medical freedom hearings like the ones done in multiple other states and in D.C. so that the truth of the vaccine and hospital genocide and life-saving therapeutics will finally be allowed to be spoken and heard of in public and wouldn't even show up when we held them on our own dime. With one exception, Larry Pittman. Yeah, Larry Pittman. It's a Republican majority House and Senate that did absolutely nothing to help protect the people of North Carolina from losing their jobs to criminal vaccine mandates in both public and private sectors. Now the Republicans want to make masks choice Choice. and have only private sector employees forced uh, to take the poison jabs as a condition of employment. Yeah, and it's little Timmy Moore, Republican majority North Carolina House that killed House Bill 558 in committee, and then they blame Cooper for vetoing a bill they didn't even try to bring to the floor. They didn't even try to pass it. The North Carolina Republicans care more about lining their pockets with lobbyist money from Big Pharma and the Western Industrial Medical Complex than they do protecting constitutional rights, including the fundamental right to body autonomy. It's a Republican North Carolina majority Senate that killed House 572 with amendments in committee because, as we were told, quote, internal polling showed that as many North Carolina Republicans want the mandates as don't, end quote. So they were just going to kill it and, you know, basically let North Carolina become Lord of the Flies. Yeah. It is a Republican majority North Carolina House and Senate that have done absolutely nothing to stop the economic, medical, and educational, and your social destruction and ongoing discrimination against North Carolinians who won't mask or take the injections. It's a North Carolina Republican majority House and Senate who've done nothing to address the age of consent for minors to be injected with vaccines as long as they're licensed without parental presence or consent. Don't forget, you are given implied consent when you drop them off or let them walk on that Into premise. a school, yep. yep. And it is a North Carolina Republican majority House and Senate who remains silent, even today, as the injections are now given to babies as young as five. And they won't even speak up as they now actively come for your children. They're cowards. 
What is the North Carolina Republican majority response to the statewide medical apartheid and constant crushing blows to human and constitutional rights under the threat of a virus with a 99.8% recovery rate? Peasants! Do as the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, and Cooper Cohen, and now Kinsley tell you to, or find a different job, find a different school, find a different healthcare provider, accept your new role as a second-class citizen. Here's my favorite. Maybe we will help you in 2022 if we get back the super majority of 72 and 30. If we hear one more incumbent tell us that they had to stand down and allow Cooper to just destroy North Carolina unrestrained for the last two years because they didn't have super majority. They never stand up and try. Didn't even try. Nope. If North Carolinians think rhino Republicans are the answer, my goodness, you haven't even begun to identify the problem. Yeah, God forbid true North Carolina conservatives go to the polls and reward these incumbents by reelecting them after they have done nothing but support either actively or by silent consent the crushing blows to liberty, constitutional governance, and basic human morality for nearly two full years. Years. God forbid true North Carolina conservatives elect challengers who've also participated in or remained silent in the tyranny of the last two years and who are now grifting, claiming to be champions of liberty. It's absolutely disgusting to watch. Yeah, Do you know many times? medical freedom. Oh my hey, gosh. I'm up here for you right now. We've been vetting candidates who told us that they took the shots because they didn't want to find themselves in a lower tier of society where they couldn't travel or keep their job. And they are actually campaigning on the Republican Party platform, claiming that they uh, deserve our vote after participating in this for two full years. Well, Absolutely astounding. Well, let me tell you, we're not going to endorse businesses of any men or women who made their employees mask. We won't endorse anyone who has complied versus resisted, and we won't endorse anyone who won't vote to end all of this abortion-derived vaccine. And we're not going to put anybody forward who won't speak out against the genocidal vaccine That's program right. and who will not tell the truth about the abortion industry's relationship with the pharmaceutical industry. To abolish this, it needs to happen. Somebody yep. needs to talk about it. So what's the solution? Step up and run. If you're listening to this podcast, we still have races all over the state, North Carolina House and North Carolina Senate in particular, where we do not have a single challenger who has said, I will throw my hat in the ring and go up against my rhino incumbent. We want people who won't do the C word, right? Compromise. That's right. Yeah. Um, so it's still not too late to throw your hat in the ring for those of you that are following the redistricting mess, right? That's right. Maps are still not settled. Yeah. It's all across the whole, whole, not only North Carolina, it's going around the United States. I got to say that's kind of cool because they've given us, what, three extra months to find uh, grassroots challengers. Yeah. And, and so, you know, one of the things we are asking is... Um, consider, pray about stepping up and running and being willing to go down to Jones Street and clean up the swamp. God, can, can, God willing that this is going to be in our favor. I mean, we know God opens doors and he closes doors. He is in control, but we are called as Christians to stand in the gap, call yeah. out this wickedness and expose what's going on and stand in truth no matter the cost. Yeah. And so, you know, as you think back or I don't know, give this episode a second listen about the just and, you know, we the details that we just hit here, 
we didn't even talk about all of their election integrity failures. We didn't talk about the failures in inside education. We didn't talk about how they killed the the bill that would have prevented biological males from competing against North Carolina girls and middle high school and college sports, right? There, there but we so can tell you more. that the North Carolina uh, Republicans are the ones that didn't allow it to go through because they wanted who to come in here? It was Apple and Amazon. Apple they and they Amazon. wanted to come into an inclusive state. That's right. So, you know, the reason we did this segment is we want people to understand that a rhino red wave, either in the primaries or in the general elections in November, that is not going to be the solution. You need to know who you're voting for. Yep. And, if, and, and you know, nobody will say this, but we'll say it. If you have not taken the time to research and vet the candidates that are running in your district, in your county, for your school board, for commissioner, for the state house, for your con- congressional district, don't, don't vote. vote. Don't vote. There's no need for you to vote if you do not know who you're voting for. We need an educated citizenry, and we do not need people to go to the polls and just vote for the person with the R next to their name. We'll have the link of ncgrassrootsgov.com in our show notes. And with that, we're going to come back and discuss the North Carolina Constitution. All right, let's get into the current events. What's uh, the hot topic right now that's all over social media? It is the trucker trucker convoy. convoy. Yeah. Yeah. So Mixed feelings. Yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons to, you know, people standing up for their freedoms. I mean, yeah. we're seeing some of the repercussions of that out there in Canada. Um, we've had a lot of people reach out to us and concern about our truckers here, you know. I mean, it's shocking when you look at, you know, we saw the report yesterday that was coming in, you know, specifically about the single mom that had given 50 bucks to the Canadian convoy. And now uh, the banks in, in Canada have frozen her accounts and her assets and, um, they're and doing they, this to countless. Well, the UN is over there now. Yeah. That's yeah. You got UN and then troops, in between. You got, yeah, you had people trampled by their own Canadian uh, force with horses with the horses yeah. and it's so it's really so we had a lot of people you know reach out and say do you do you support this you know what do we do we know that they're this Friday in Mebane there's a we meet just up. say you just yeah. have to weigh your your pros and cons of this because you know they geofence people's phones when they were just buying coffee and and gifts out at the January 6th event and then the FBI was at their doorstep yeah. for, just for being there because why Bank of America gave over the records yeah. To the FBI and our government. Yeah, and, and I think what the Canadian story has told us is that, you know, our our government and our banks are colluding. And so what could the potential ramifications be on Americans who participate and support this kind of you and know, we convoy? Know, and we know sometimes we don't. We need to have risk. We need to, yeah. no matter the consequences. We're, we're by no means, you know, yeah. not, we're not telling anybody not to take risks. Um, obviously, we take a lot of risks. We but do. what we are suggesting is, um, you know, that, that you don't go in blindly. Um, we know we've had some conversations this week with some of the leaders that are connecting with the leaders of this convoy. And um, I think there have been pleas that the truckers don't actually go into D.C. minor, that they actually stay outside of the red zone. Right. Um, and you, Mindy, have been saying for two years, you know, you talk about how your dad was a trucker. Yeah, he um, was a retired Marine veteran. 22 years, and then he bought his own rig. When I was 12 years old, I was in seventh grade, and it was some of the best experience I had. I I rode with him from seventh grade up until my first year of college for at least 
two weeks, if not a week, every and, single summer. And your idea out of the gate, even in 2020, you were telling everybody. The truckers need to pull over. Mm -hmm. It will bring this country down to its knees because mm -hmm. everything we have comes in off of trucks, whether it comes from a train or it comes off of a ship. We could not survive without our truckers. And the reason why my father used to tell me that was because of the you know, treatment that they weren't treated well by mileage, certain vendors, mm -hmm. you know, certain uh, big government regulations, regulations, all of it. They all had of it. all of it. My, my, my granddad was a, a trucker yeah. as well. And so, um, you know, so we've seen both sides of this issue. And it would only take a few mm -hmm. days. Right. So, but, but on, on the other hand, on the other the side of that, of that, yeah, they're actually saying that if we shut down the supply lines and we cause basically a hunger crisis in this country, you know, uh, Biden could potentially declare martial, martial law, law and enact, you know. And a, just to, today, yesterday it was announced, but today he's yeah. already sending in the National Guard to D.C. Yeah. I would hope that our National Guardsmen would not turn on the citizens of the United States the way that we saw the Canadian uh, police force. And, and, you know, I think force is obviously the, um, the word there that needs to be emphasized. And what I'm hearing is from people in the National Guard that we know, the National Guard will not turn on their own people. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I wish I, I don't I, know how much yeah, confidence I have. I was going to say they've purged I, so many. Of yeah, us. They, they've purged so many of the good guys that wouldn't take the vaccines and participate in a lot of the madness. So, well, we no longer <clears throat> even have a say about medical devices on our faces, right? Yeah, I mean, as a condition of public transit, we've had law enforcement officers that have been enforcing unconstitutional medical orders and constitutional injection orders, right? Um, I do want to read the quote from uh, Charlie Kirk that, I don't know, it probably best captured the way that we feel. Um, he said, I am in full support of an American freedom convoy. However, the United States government is already working to kill it before it starts. The feds perfected, quote, extrajudicial, end quote, powers against WikiLeaks over a decade ago when they were not able to get a judge or a grand jury to agree that Julian Assange had committed a crime. The feds will freeze protester accounts, pressure financial institutions to cut off payments, seize crypto wallets, infiltrate the convoy with feds, criminalize protesters by labeling them domestic violent extremists, and try and instigate violence where none is present. There is a cancer in this country, and it is not Trump supporters. It is a corrupt fourth estate. Um, boy, Kirk did not mince words there. No, I mean, we know there's not really any more due process. Yeah, I mean, you know, we... we we say this all the time. We're living, we're two years into the nightmare of the suspension of constitutional rights. And, you know, our truckers, obviously, we say kudos to the good guy patriots out there that feel like they need to emulate what they did in Canada. Um, I mean, I've been, on the, I've been on the streets. You've been on the streets. We've been protesting. Yeah. I, I, um, I get it. But I think I think it's changing a little bit. You know, we're, we're <clears throat> less, we're more gun shy to protest at this point than we have been in the last two years because of the pushback mm -hmm. that we have seen, um, even in terms of our ability to assemble and redress our government, right, as guaranteed, as guaranteed to us by the Constitution. A lot of these, um, you know, what we once considered basic American constitutional rights, these have really been uh, suspended altogether in the last two years. So um, this Friday, it's our understanding that at least a segment of this convoy is going to roll through North Carolina. Yeah, there's an East Coast segment that's going to be going to D.C. Mm -hmm. They're going to be um, on this Buckhorn exit. In Mevin, in right? Mevin. Uh -huh. Do you know the exit number or no? Mm -mm. Okay. 
Um, so, you know, if, if you're interested in supporting these guys, it's going to be Friday. We're not actually sure if there's an, a specifically allocated time for it. I, originally, we case. heard 9 to 11 a.m. Okay. Um, and so, you know, there are there are a lot of social media sites that are telling you where and when and what you can bring. I'm sure if you went on even our Telegram and asked people, there's people connected to it that could get yeah. you the information. We're also being told that in light of a potential trucker strike shutdown, right, that um, we need to be putting ahead food and, uh, you know, all of your necessities. Get your seeds. Get your, what is it, I I don't know, 88 rolls of toilet paper. Just, (laughs) we should probably go ahead and just, you know. Bread, milk, butter. Yeah, check (laughs) check all those boxes. Um, And so, uh, Trucker Convoy will be a fascinating thing to watch and and we'll, uh, we'll probably update on our Telegram page as um, we see what's happening in real time. And um, from there, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what is going on with uh, medical freedom and medical freedom issues. Yeah, the medical freedom and the climate with our um, politicians that are out there right now. Yeah, yeah. It's been actually pretty wild. Um, We've been interacting with a lot of uh, congressional candidates Mm -hmm. and um, some Senate candidates. We're gonna interact some more uh, And we're hearing about their stump speeches. Yeah, and the stump speeches, it's fascinating. They're as vanilla as the GOP speeches have ever been. They're talking about, you know, the economy and the border wall and all of these things that are really important, right? But um, what is uh, not being addressed are, you know, issues surrounding medical freedom, medical apartheid, the vaccine passports, the genocide uh, surrounding uh, the, the vaccine gen- program. Yeah, which is called the genocide on the born. Yeah. Besides the yeah. unborn, uh, Daniel Horowitz spoke on that. Yeah, the, he put out a great uh, podcast this past week that was, um, you know, kind of asking the question, is now, you know, a time for the rise of a third party? And, um, you know, just kind of acknowledging the fact that we've got in, in the, the GOP and the conservative, po- yet they will a- go and tell you they are pro-life all day long. And you ask the question, well, if you are pro-life, tell us, are you speaking out? Are you telling the truth about therapeutics? Are you talking about the vaccine genocide? Yeah. Are you talking about um, the the unholy alliance between the abortion industry and the vaccine industry? Are you actually calling for an end to this vaccine program, which is now 23,000 plus uh, reported deaths? Are you, um, you know, saying what is true, which is you can't be pro-life and pro-vaccine if the vaccines have been derived or developed from the body parts of babies? And the answers that we get are always the same. And that is, we're really just kind of not going to touch that or, oh, that's too bad. Or, oh, no, it's your choice. Mm-hmm. We believe we, in choice. And we're not going to tell you the dangers of what's going on. I mean, Dell Victory just did uh, on the Jackson report on the high wire. If you haven't uh, checked them out before, text 33222, the letters I-C-A-N, I can. And they were discussing on the Jackson report about... Um, the news taglines now are changing. Mm-hmm. Two teens found dead. Mm-hmm. In two different states, right? It was yeah. Connecticut and Michigan. And Michigan uh, from the Pfizer vaccine. Mm-hmm. One the was, COVID. One had been found dead three days after his second shot. The other had been found four, four days. days. Mm-hmm. And um, so they actually did autopsies, which we've been calling for this for what, over right. a year? We need to have autopsies that are looking into these deaths. And we knew that this is where the tide was going to, sh- where the sacrifice was coming. Mm-hmm. We were losing the adults. Mm-hmm. 
we were coming they were coming out of the hospitals in body bags mm-hmm. because of all of the remdesivir and the and the ventilators and and nobody giving them the lack of therapeutics yeah right no therapeutic um education no uh, i don't know iv hydration and it's because you're an adult you have all of this noise that they call in the background your comorbidities your age blah 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 soon as we knew it was coming for our children now they can't deny it. Yeah. Or we knew they weren't going to be able to yeah. for long, but you had to have enough right. of them die. Right. Or had these horrible but permanent myocarditis and They seizures. started priming the pump, right? Though we, People started sending us pictures of buses in Charlotte that said things like children have strokes too. I mean, absolutely. Right. They're doing that with the clots. Yeah, exactly. Mind boggling. So when we saw the story where, you know, there had actually been these autopsies that confirmed um, severe myocarditis and that they're interviewing was, embalmers now yes yeah and and that's a whole nother yeah. bizarre uh, phenomenon that the uh, morticians are finding uh in terms of the long rubbery substances that they are pulling out of veins and arteries for the first time in human history that nobody will actually uh you know acknowledge what it what it is i don't even think they they know what it is which again that's mind-boggling to me because isn't there a way to like look at the stuff under a microscope and send it to a lab, have it evaluated? I mean, this is the question that our incumbents, people who are coming in, need to be talking about, as well as your establishment, your your candidates right now yeah. need to be talking about this. Yeah, and you know, one of the other things that we've been bringing up lately is a lot of, uh, we've got a lot of law enforcement sheriffs uh, candidates that are stumping around the state. And um, we've been told repeatedly that we are the only ones that will ask our sheriff candidates whether or not they've participated in enforcing unconstitutional mandates for the last two years. Because we know that they were taking them out of libraries. They were arresting people. We personally knew. Yeah. And they, I mean, arresting, you know, homeschool moms, arresting moms that spoke up at school boards, boards. right? So we, we always, when we interview sheriff candidates, we always say... Um, have you yourself participated in this? Or uh, how do you feel about law enforcement that violated their oath to the Constitution to enforce illegal orders? We have been shocked at some of the responses. We had a wake sheriff candidate actually tell us, um, and he justified it two ways. The first was, you know, the officers had to because they had to keep their paycheck. Yeah, they had to feed their families. Mm-hmm. And the second one was that they were just doing what they were told. And we actually reminded him that that is exactly what the defendants at Nuremberg said. Mm-hmm. And so when you are, you know, vetting candidates for your own races, do not go easy on your law enforcement candidates and do not go easy on any of the you candidates. You have to ask them these hard questions. Don't let them just stand up there and give them yeah. their rehearsed Ask them, where have you been for the last two years? Have you been down at any of the reopen protests? If you're a business owner, we've got a lot of uh, congressional candidates and, and general assembly candidates who own their own businesses. We ask them, did you mask your employees? Did you force your employees to take a vaccine? Have you um, really you know, been a fascist in terms of the way that you handled your business and now you're asking for my vote as a constitutionalist? Some of the answers are shocking. Yep. And um, you know, at the end of the day, it is up to us to vet our candidates and to not put anybody forward that is talking the talk but not walking the walk. That's right. Yeah. And on that note, we are seeing uh, Scotland taking down their numbers. We heard recently where the people who are being vaccinated mm-hmm. um, are coming down with COVID and mm-hmm. getting sick, and now they're going to start re- revising and taking down it's, all of the It's all Daniel system. Horowitz's fault. It, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we sort of knew this would happen, that once, you know, there was a broader audience for the truth, 
that the censorship, it was going to be Empire Strikes Back, right? The censorship, they were going to double down. So they actually admitted, it was the government of Scotland, right? Or the, the health department. They actually mm-hmm. admitted that they were no longer going to publish their data because Daniel Horowitz was sharing it. Yes, which is awful. Awful, but kind of humorous yeah. in that, you know, they're actually saying, you know, we know that you're talking about this. We didn't want anybody to know that our vaccinated were getting sick and dying because if that got out, maybe it would unveil the truth yeah. about the vaccine program and the, and the larger agenda. And so we've never <laughs> been ashamed and we always talk about the gospel yeah. and our Lord and Savior. And uh, this has been um, what we believe has been lacking in our government, lacking in our schools the moral compass that, well, that has disappeared. And truth is the Christian's highest virtue. It is. We keep having, you know, a lot of pushback. People saying to us, you know, just stop talking about that. That's not politically expedient. This is polarizing. The response to that always has to be, truth is the Christian's highest virtue. We're going to tell the truth about the vaccine program. Yep. We're going to tell the truth about the constitutional abuses and human rights. And, and if somebody's running on a platform telling you that they're a Christian and they're a conservative and they're not speaking out about this, then you better uh, reevaluate whether or not you're going to give that candidate your vote. Didn't they, the, mm-hmm. the parliament member in Finland, she read from the Bible. Yeah. And she's, she's been uh, brought up on charges. Yeah. And uh, I think they said she could face, is it 15 to 18 years in prison because she took a b- biblical world view on uh, homosexuality right yeah and so um you know at the end of the day i think everybody can pretty much agree that we are in an existential fight now um not just to save the republic but um you know to shift or to at least hold the line in terms of christianity becoming illegal worldwide including the united states um, we had this fascinating conversation last night with this kid at Cracker Barrel, and uh, he was telling us that if you're a Cracker Barrel employee, you have to wear a mask unless you're vaccinated. So they're just like so many other companies, they are punishing anyone who won't take a vaccine, you know, by taking away their right to breathe. That wasn't actually the fascinating part. The fascinating part was this was a deeply religious kid, and he had, you know, gone to Cracker Barrel and attempted to assert a religious exemption mm-hmm. to get the mask off because, like we have said, it is a lie and Christians don't abide in a lie. And he did not want to perpetuate a lie. And they looked at him and said, we do not honor any kind of religious exemptions when it comes to this masking issue. And um, we've heard this from people who've been purged from the military, right? The military is largely not honoring the religious exemptions. So many companies. Well, just know the gospel is offensive. That's what we, yeah. you and I were talking about yeah. this morning. And people are feeling like, oh, you need to not really talk about certain things because mm-hmm. it's offensive. Jesus said it would be offensive. Yeah. And, and what's interesting, you know, looking at it from the perspective of a company like Cracker Barrel, mm-hmm. can you imagine if they had had honored a religious exemption to the mask, right? And we sat there and said to this kid, hey, everybody else in here, you know, has a mask on or whatever. You don't. Why don't you have a mask on? That would have actually opened the door for him to, to explain his religious conviction. Think about it. They don't want that to happen. That is likely the reason that they will not allow religious exemptions because it opens the door to evangelism. And of course, this sweet kid. Uh, so I want to just talk about one more thing. You know the hard questions that you all need to be asking. We're telling you that those all the time. How about knowing what some of these free states are that are going up against and banning COVID passports? Don't forget about that North Carolina. Yeah. Cooper has that set in place. 
Oh, the North Carolina, the, the vaccine passport, passport system. Yeah, system. for sure. So here's some states that are passing or at least standing up to ban it. Idaho, Utah, Arizona, Arkansas, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa, Missouri, Alaska, Mississippi, Indiana, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina. And South Carolina actually has a bill right now that is under proposal, as as you know, Daniel Horowitz points out quite often, proposing a bill and passing a bill are two different things. That's so right. We don't know if it's going to pass, but they've actually proposed that if you even ask a person in the state of South Carolina what their vaccine status is, it could be a fourteen thousand uh, dollar criminal fine and I was like oh my goodness can you imagine ask your legislators mm -hmm. house and senate majority why aren't they doing anything to stand up for North Carolina citizens because they're paid off by donations from big pharma that's right but I don't know that's just my thought on it so those are the <clears throat> questions you need to be asking them yeah and you know in in complete transparency um our family has our house on the market and um, we are absolutely dedicated to helping push Christian constitutionalists across the line and figure out if we can, um, you know, work towards radical change here in North Carolina to reinstate a constitutional republic. But if we are unsuccessful in the primaries and we put forward uh, more rhinos and we're going to have several more years of uh, communist public health policy in a state that um, is in emergency, uh, state of emergency. A perpetual state of yeah. emergency because he Which, just extended it yeah, till it's It's, it's April. April 5th at this mm -hmm. point, but we don't really have any reason to believe that, that it won't, won't be until at least January of next year when That's the right. emergency powers, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to need counsel. Well, Biden state. just reinstated it. Yeah. Too. And so, you know, that said, um, even my family, we will be leaving for a free state if we cannot um, succeed. We could talk really quickly, you know, what 2022 has yeah. become. Yeah, finish it up. Government banks, government media, government social media, government schools, government health care, government retirement, government churches, and government food supply. The transition to communism began a long time ago. 2020 was the tipping point. 2022 will be the period at the end of the sentence if people don't stop complying. This is the stand. And so very few people are standing. But we are. We are. And so our admonition to you is hold the, the line. line.